Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Uh, it's easy, the answer, but I don't like doing it. He's got some difficulty, but it's not the age, because I know a lot of people that are much older than him that are 100% sharp, and I think most people agree with that. If the Republicans continue to go down this impeachment investigation, they are knowingly doing it to assist Vladimir Putin in interfering in our upcoming election. It's now much more serious that these House Republicans are going to be complicit in Russia's effort to install Donald Trump as president again. The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. Are you Brett Whittable Show. Are you ready, Pete, calendar to uh, Friday Hangover? And you're doing it on a rainy day. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I do it on rainy days, sunny days, mm-hmm. partially cloudy, partially sunny. It's all the same to me. It's all good. Great, great show today. I gave it a, uh, I gave it a 9.7 solid. Sweet. Really good job. Okay. Uh, this We are watching. We're sitting in the studio. Uh, Pete was monitoring a lot of what was going on with this case out of, uh, out of uh, Fulton County, where we are hearing the closing arguments. And the rebuttals for uh, for Fannie Willis. Do you think it is a foregone conclusion that she and Nathan Wade will be heading on down the highway? No. Well, so first off, I never make predictions on elections. Fair enough. Ah, and jury trials. Oh, perfect. This is not a jury trial. That is. So I'm going to make a prediction, which is probably going to be wrong. What's that? That uh, I predict that the judge is not going to uh, he's not going to sanction them or anything, but he's going to do some sort of a reset, maybe borrowing the button from Hillary. Press the button. Overcharge. Do a bit of a reset. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and just have her and Wade not participate and redo. Wow. I don't know because we were talking a little bit about this beforehand. Like, I don't know. And I said this on the show earlier today is that there's going to be all of the and there already is. There is pressure on this one judge, this one guy. Yes. And I don't know, I know nothing about him. So I don't know if he's going to go wobbly one way or the other. Because to me, the evidence is pretty clear, especially if what the defense attorney earlier argued is true, Mm. that the simple appearance of a conflict is enough. Right. And And if that's the case, then we're done. It really, like, there's nothing else really to say because the, there is an appearance of it, of conflict. Yeah. So then it says to me, then you have to you got to scrap the whole thing. And if you're going to scrap the whole thing, then does the judge go completely wobbly and throw out the indictment or does he reset the whole thing? And I think that's what he would have to do, because if everything is corrupted by the conflict, then that means the indictment would be also, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. But maybe he lets the indictment stand and just say, put new prosecutors in and move forward. Yeah, I mean, it can go either way because he was part of that staff. Uh, the, this judge was part of as that I staff. As I understand it, yeah. yeah. He was he was part of that staff as a prosecutor. But uh, on the flip side, I think, he understands the super high standard of prosecutor. I mean, the prosecutor has so much power, right. as we've learned watching a million trials, uh, that you can do pretty much anything. Jack Smith can do whatever, pretty much whatever he wants. Merrick Garland can do what he wants. Uh, you know, go down that list. And so... I'm hoping he's got enough spine to say, listen, uh, 
I'm I'm going to have to I'm going to have to toss you guys out of this and maybe even toss some of the evidence because she wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, she didn't write it. Well, okay. She said she didn't even read it. Didn't even read it. Uh-huh. But the book. But a, sat for multiple interviews for the book. A, unbeknownst to her. I right. Think, right. She probably didn't know she was being. Probably there. not. She was busy. Right. Um, she was the, getting, fa- yes, probably now, called now, her up. Now, I think. Fanny calls. I think the most important component of all of this, though, is the church. The church speech. Yes. All of this. And if there's any possibility of tossing this, I think it would be that because. You have just prejudiced hundreds of thousands of people. Right. Because it's not just that she was making her case. She was throwing the race card, like, left, right, and center. Right. Like, they are trying to get me, so I'm going to get them and because I'm black and Nathan is black. and all. Right. People, I think people understood that they were African American. I don't think that was, like, a big reveal. I don't see color, so I, I, I don't know. So, um... Well, I mean, I'm not colorblind, like, but I am, like, yes. on the racial, yes. So, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. I am. I, I'm a child of the United Colors of Benetton generation. Wow. Did you really grow up under that? Yeah. Did you have one of those weird sweaters? No. Okay. No, they were rich. That was for- That was really- Yeah. Them in case with sneakers. I mean- Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things were expensive. Yeah. Uh, what were the, the swatches? Remember the swatch watch? You said swatch, right? Not swatch. swatch. Not swatch. Not swatch. No, okay. Swatch watch. They were, you know what? That's true. They were very nice. You know why? Because they were manufactured in Switzerland. Yes. Neutral, neutral territory. Abs- and they had the little rubber guard on the top of the watch. Really that was the weird. first. Yeah. Well, really but now weird. you see watches all the time that have that yeah. that protective, the, like the raised, the raised edge. Yeah. The bezel or whatever they call it. The bevel. The bevel. bevel. Yeah, yeah. 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 Bev- yeah. Anyway, because before that, all the watches would always have just this nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Flat, smooth surface, which would right. always get scratched and up. Get scratched, and then you got to get a new watch. That's true. And this, the Swatch watch was like, we're fun colors. Mm-hmm. We keep time, and we got this rubber thing on the top that you can swap out with your friends, and then you've got a different color. That's guard very true. I remember this. The, yes, yes. This I, is. We didn't have those either. Uh, I didn't bu- have those. I had a knockoff from Burger King. Bull of a watch time, three eleven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's a throwback to the New Yorkers. There, I'm sorry, I had to do that. Um, but, but okay, so. Do we okay? Do we think we're going to get a decision like I don't know? Is he going to like judge Wapner and be like, "You're out, boom"? Or is it he gonna could? Be, because normally in these types of hearings, you like he think. makes decisions pretty quickly, and when, he's been tracking it the whole time, right? And he he mentioned earlier today, mm-hmm. he said, "Oh, because the case law, I read whatever, yeah. whatever." Yeah. So he's doing his own research as this proceeding goes right. along, too. Right now, now you and I, very funny. I want to share with the audience, take people behind the curtain. We had sort of like nicknames for certain lawyers that were up there. <laughs> uh, so we had people we were describing because I don't know their names. I, I well, because you were listening on the way in. I was listening, but right. the only one like that I knew. Uh, we all know Natalie Merchant, right? And we are big fans of Natalie Merchant. I am in, in Atlanta, and her and I and she is with the Ten Thousand Maniacs Law yeah, Firm. Right. These are the, the days. days, exactly. Yeah. Um, that we'll then, remember, and that we will remember. Yeah, yeah. Or I can't remember. It was cash. I don't. I remember. can't recall. Yeah, don't I don't know. recall. Uh, then you said there was a couple other ones. Uh, Judge uh, Moron. Judge Moron. Right, which is the judge out of the trial up in New York City. Angoron. Is that his name? Is, that's the name up in New York is Angeron, but this guy is Angeron. Anger, E N G O R O N. Oh, all right, oh, I got that one wrong. And then, and then you said there was another uh, sighting. The guy. Well, there's the same guy that I thought was the judge. Now you're telling me Angeron. Ang- well, J- Angeron, but it's okay. not moron. But not that judge, he kind of looked like him at first, but then uh-huh. uh, the more I watched him, and uh, he kind of looked like a thinner, non-glitchier Mitch McConnell. 
And and he was that the, is so awful yeah. and awesome because there couldn't be two more different people. No, but he did. No, it's the haircut. The haircut. That's what it, it was. was. That gray yeah. and kind of wavy looking yeah. haircut on yeah. the side looking mm-hmm. thing. And then if you looked at the beginning of the proceedings today, you had uh, Natalie Merchant's uh, husband, husband, who uh, looks very much strikingly like Kevin McCarthy. Yes, he did look like Kevin McCarthy. From the side? I mean, he's, yeah, probably, yeah. he's getting stopped. He's either getting stopped at airports for, for autographs or getting the bird flown at him where, when he's walking through the And airport. you know who Sadow looks kind of like? <laughs> no, but I love the name. It's such a judge. It's such a, a lawyer name. It is. Sadow. Steve Sadow. Nine, 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 um, nine. No, you guys. No, uh, he looks like John Brennan. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See? We could write the entire SNL skit. We could write the entire SNL yeah. skit. No, because that'd be funny. True. <laughs> you know so what? I can't do that. <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've done enough damage here today. Uh, Pete Callender, enjoy the weekend, my you friend. You too, sir. Thanks again to Pete Callender for uh, hanging with us. We, we are watching the uh, proceedings here. The prosecutor attempted to harass and embarrass the DA. What? No, I don't think so. I don't think people tried to attempt to, to, to harass and embarrass the DA. I just don't. I want to grab this call uh, because it's right on topic. Uh, Stephanie is first up. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I just wanted to say, I feel like um, Danny's not going to get any consequences that maybe necessarily needed just based off of the way the judge allowed her to come and railroad her testimony and give all kinds of extraneous information. I just feel like I don't, I don't have confidence in this judge. Interesting. It's very possible. Like I, like Pete and I were saying, she she worked under him. Uh, I mean, he, he worked under her. The judge worked under her. And he's certainly going to be facing a ton of social pressure uh, if, if, he bounces, if he bounces her off this case. But the question then becomes, you know, what we have to understand is we're not it's not Stephanie and Brett and the rest of us sitting in Atlanta or in Fulton County watching this. It's the world watching this. And if this guy wants to ever have any kind of a future, I think he's going to have to rule appropriately. But I, I, I share the same concern you you have with uh, the, the, the doubt about whether or not there's going to be consequences. And uh, that's that's what's so frustrating about this whole process, because it's politicized. Um, and, and and that's it. Th- thank you so much, Stephanie. I appreciate you being out there uh, and calling in today. I, what, what what are we going to do? I mean, what what are what are what are we going to do? We have to have a higher standard. Um, we can't take the judges and put them in like you know sequestration. We can't put them behind a, you know, some sort of a of, of a of a net or something where they can't be seen or you know some something kind of frilly. You you know you can't you can't put the judge behind a frilly you know, kind of like a thing on his head so nobody sees him. Nobody knows who it is. Who's the judge? It's Judge X. Judge X. It's Judge Y this week. Next week's going to be Judge Z. You know, you, you, have to, you have to be able to go through this stuff. Now, at the same time, let's play the opposite game here. Let's play, let's, let's reverse this conversation. Because if the judge is, has got a- any semblance of pride at all, He's got to be a little bit Judge Judy, right? And be like, you can't, you can't run this line of bull on me and make me look like I'm going to buy this. Like, see, that is the challenge of the judge. You don't want to go too hard and you don't want to go too soft. You just want to go. There's a phrase they have in the in the in the fairy tale books. Just right. You got it's got to be just right. Too hot, too cold, just right. 
but he has to also live in the community and he also has to walk around with with his reputation intact. This is why it's going to be so much better when you just have AI judges. AI judges are the answer. AI judges, AI prosecutors, AI defense attorneys. And you just set them all to the highest integrity possible setting. And then you wait and see how it all plays out. You know, you don't have to you, you can't bribe a computer. You cannot bribe a computer. You can't bribe an ATM machine. You can't bribe a robot. I don't know how you would do it. The robot has no interest in money, doesn't have to eat, isn't, isn't socially conscious about whether or not, you know, he's got a zit on his forehead or, or a bad car or, or a car with a zit. I mean, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care or she doesn't care. They don't care. Z don't care. Them don't care. I'm just trying to hit all the, all the appropriate pronouns in this conversation. So, you know, really the only way you can do it is like you punch in like all the evidence and then you punch in the variables, which are, hey, she gave a speech at a church where she excoriated uh, a number of people who had doubts about her case. Uh, she was party to writing a book that she was prosecuting a case on. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. And the reason why people forget this, um, it's, it's almost kind of fallen by the wayside, but it's the most important element of this case, uh, is Donald Trump, if he gets elected president, cannot pardon himself if he's convicted in Fulton County, Georgia. Because he can only pardon at the federal level. He can only pardon at that kind of stuff. He can't pardon himself out of this because it's a state trial, which is why the entire thing was originally organized in the way it's been organized, because this is about jacking him up. This is not about getting justice, making a phone call, not making a phone call. This is about taking a, a, a hunk out of his hide. And and again, you you have to Go back to that story I told you. Do you remember the name from three days ago? And if you don't know this name, go look this up. This is a real important story. There is a filthy, not dirty, not nasty, filthy connection to the Biden White House inside Fannie Willis's office. And it's a guy by the name of DeSantis, not the governor in Florida. But there's a character by the name of DeSantis who who flew in like one hundred and thirty five grand into this operation. And he's connected back up to the White House. In other words, what the White House has been doing in these cases is they, they have they have been going out there and stringing it in different locations. They're 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 spreading that money around. I'll guarantee you they're spreading that money around so that they can convince local politicians to to dump uh, Trump from the ballot up in Maine, out in Colorado, Rocky Mountain High, uh, out out there in 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 Crook County in uh, in you know where Crook County is, right? You know, you know what cities in Crook County? Uh, that would be uh, Chicago is in Crook County. Um, you, you've got you've got uh, that that judge, that lower court judge who's a traffic uh, court judge and, and a municipal judge and ha- handles uh, some state cases as well, who decided she's going to knock Trump off the off the ballot. And all of this stuff is important stuff because I respect the judiciary. I respect the process of law and, and order and all this sort of stuff. But if, if a prosecutor has so much power. A prosecutor has so much power that they can take your liberty. They can take your business. They can sentence you to to prison 
for the rest of your life. You you may you may you may end up dying in prison either because you run into the wrong kind of hombre or you end up being being sentenced for such a long stint in the uh, you know stint in the uh, in the penitentiary that you just die uh, in jail. You have to have a much higher standard on the on the prosecutorial side because they have the ability to take your liberty. I mean, they put you in front of a judge and and a jury and they can present what they want to present and they cannot present what they don't want to present. And, you know, that's that's why you would want people who are jurists and people who are um, you, you want people who are jurists and you want people who are prosecutors to be of the highest ethical standards. And, you know, that's 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 what you want for anybody. Because you are talking about, you know, lost liberty and you think about the cases you've seen, people who have been put in prison for 30 and 40 years. We just had one of those. Wasn't it up in Huntersville uh, or up, up, up Concord up north where you had a man who was in prison for like 45 years. And then they realized that he wasn't the guy who was responsible for that. And they just let him out in the last in the last like six, eight months. And that was a huge case. It was a big story. It wasn't right. You took all of those years from that man's life. If, if Trump made a phone call and, and, and said something, but it didn't rise to the level of, you know, let's let's go put him in the penitentiary for the next 35 years. Well, it's the prosecutor that's got to make that decision, you know, good, bad or indifferent. But you want someone with high standards and high character. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. I want to get your opinion on something. Since we're on the issue of, of law and order, I think there's a number of uh, very interesting angles with the law and order conversation. And I know that uh, many law enforcement folks are, uh, you know, they, they want to make sure that they have a diverse group of people who are patrolling different communities and things like that. You certainly want people that rec- that recognize and look a lot like uh, the community that they're policing, right? People say that a lot. It's that's that's sort of the, where you get the you know the the traditional model moving into the modern era. But Los Angeles has got something really remarkable. Uh, you guys are not going to believe this. This is this is like the most progressive thing I have ever heard in my life. Los Angeles hires and arms foreign people to police U.S. citizens. The Los Angeles Police Department, the LAPD, is hiring uh, people who are not in the country legally, who are under the uh, under the uh, deferred action for childhood arrivals status and equipping them with guns to police American citizens in California. So these are people who are not in the in the country legally. These are people who are not supposed to be in the country. Uh, And as a result of President Barack Obama's 2012 DACA order, which indefinitely delayed the deportation of illegal border crossers who enter into the United States, recipients do not start becoming U.S. citizens unless they apply for a green card. And that is why these folks are endlessly looking for uh, renewals of the DACA status. And it was Trump who tried to fix this problem in all seriousness. And I'm, and I'm, I'm being I'm being as bipartisan as I can be. Trump proposed to Dick Durbin and the Democrats that that he said he wanted to naturalize 
these young people, I think there's like 400,000 of them in the country, uh, who came here when they were infants or children, and, and, and they're now adults. They've gone through the American education system, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and he was told he was told that they wouldn't do that deal because Dick Durbin didn't like the things he was saying about countries that people were fleeing from. And you might remember it was, you know, blank hole countries. He was like saying, listen, uh, why are all these people coming in? I'm going to help out these DACA people who have come in, but I don't want to deal with, you know, millions of people coming into the country. And he used a, a inartful language, uh, as you might expect. And as a consequence, then that they blew that whole deal up. And so Barack Obama's order is still in effect. And 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 it's uh, it, what's interesting about it is Barack Obama's order is still in effect. And it just had its uh, 10th birthday. Actually, 14th birthday, because he did it in 2012 with the stroke of a pen, didn't have any uh, ability to have that enforcement. So in California, cities like Sacramento have refused to hire people who are in the country illegally because they're concerned about gun law violations. The LAPD is handing jobs and firearms to nearly uh, a dozen DACA recipients. And they will possess firearms on and off duty. And the department also plans to give jobs to illegally present foreigners who are currently in police training as well. So if you go to California, if you live in California and you buy a firearm, because I have I have uh, obtained a firearm in the state of California, it is an unbelievable hardship to get a firearm. Number one, you go into the gun store and you you purchase the firearm. They then give you a background check. Totally fine. You know, you give up all your information. They're, they're looking at you, everything like that. Then you get to go back to the firearm store 10 days later. 10 days. Now, they can run the NYX check immediately like they know right away okay are you are you are you an arch criminal are you a law-abiding sort who are you but no no in california you have to wait 10 days 10 days to get your firearm and then when you go to get your firearm you have to get a background check even though you just had a background check you have to get a background check to purchase ammunition and you can't have, uh, I think, uh, I think, ten, ten, uh, I think a, I think ten is too many. Is uh, maybe ten is too many bullets for you to have in your gun? I think maybe it's just got to be nine or less. Uh, it's a, it's an incredibly difficult process that happens here. Now, if you go into a gun store and you're not from the United States of America and you're you're a, you're you're a DACA person uh, as a civilian DACA person, okay? So now. We're talking about LAPD's hiring people, and they're saying we're going to take people who are DACA, um, and we're going to give them training to become police officers, sworn police officers. They're going to be able to patrol the streets. They're going to be able to hand out tickets. They're going to be able to uh, incarcerate you as an American citizen, even though they're operating on the DACA plan, and they're going to have firearms, but you might not be allowed to have a firearm because you didn't wait the 10 days. People are starting to say, wait, what's going on with this? How does this work? The Second Amendment states it's the right of the people to keep and bear arms. The people, according to American court precedent, refers to U.S. citizens only. 
1968 Gun Control Act passed by a Democrat uh, trifecta also prohibits illegally foreign citizens from possessing firearms and ammunition. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in 2017 that DACA does not exempt illegal border crossers from that gun law. Does anybody know why they cannot possess a firearm and why they cannot uh, get ammunition and stuff like that? Do you know why that is? Because DACA is not anything but basically an executive order. That's really all it is. DACA is DACA is not a not a law. It didn't it didn't pass through the House and the Senate and get signed into the into the law, because if they were going to do that, then they could just hand out citizenship to the same people that would be getting DACA. An exception to the 1968 law, however, allows for illegal border crossers to possess guns, quote, for the use of the United States or any department or agency thereof of any state or any department, agency, political subdivision thereof. This means that federal provisions technically provide any local or state government to um, give DACA recipients firearms to walk down the street and do what they have to do. I just think it's an interesting sort of a dilemma. I think it's a very interesting dilemma that we have here uh, because the the people in Washington, D.C. will not do the hard work of actually enforcing the border. They, they will not. And so as a consequence, what do you have? You have you, you have Ms. Riley's funeral today in Georgia. Where she was murdered by somebody who, had he kept his nose clean, might have been able to get a gun. Instead of bludgeoning people, he'd be able to shoot people. Right. That's what would happen with Ibarra. I mean, this is disgraceful. But we put up with it. We accept it. And remember, politically speaking, folks, politically speaking, politically speaking, you will get what you deserve. Oh, wait, that's a that's a that's a song line. Bow down before the one you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. Nine Inch Nails, you're welcome. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show. Good to be with you. So there's this uh, story running over at uh, ABC News. Welcome back to the program. Uh, basically, everything is fair game today. If you want to raise stuff from across the week, uh, you can do it because it is Friday and we uh, we run a little looser uh, in that regard. And if you want to weigh in on this trial that's going on uh, in, in Metro Atlanta, uh, where people are where people are trying to figure out whether or not Donald Trump is going to get uh, railroaded, I mean, you can we can we can talk about that as well. Uh, but there's this challenge that's happening in this country that people don't want to talk about, especially the people at the White House. I eat or pay my bills. Americans describe rent burden fears and concerns. Recent research highlights the grim reality facing renters nationwide. This dropped today on ABC News. Half of American renters are burdened by the cost of housing, according to a recent Harvard study, officially capturing the grim reality facing the renters. Marianne Smith is 65 years old. She lives in Oklahoma. And she's one of them. She's paying about 35% of her income toward rent. She says, I eat or I pay my bills. That's what she told ABC News. Had I not had a family and friends that could afford to just put money in my bank account, I would be on the streets. 
In 2023, she says a medical emergency left her with an ongoing state of economic vulnerability. She's widowed and says she can't work due to a genetic blood disorder and other health issues. Her only income is $1,844 from Social Security. She gets it monthly. And she has to use that to pay her outstanding medical bills and rent. She says her rental cost alone is $660. However, she says, her rent has been increasing every year with each signing of the apartment year-long lease, putting more and more pressure on her wallet. The median gross rent in the state of Oklahoma is $934. When she was asked how a reduction in her Lawton, Oklahoma renting costs could impact her life, she said, oh my God, I'd eat three meals a day instead of one or two. Now, why, why is rent going up? Why is rent, like, skyrocketing? Well, it's about, it's about availability. It's about whether or not you have enough supply to meet the demand. And, look, I, I hate to be, a, I hate to be a, a broken record, but you just had Joe Biden bring 10 million people into the country, which means you've got 10 million people who are going to be looking for places to live. Rent has reached historic highs. They hit they hit in 2021 and 2022, said the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University. Currently, more Americans are burdened by rent than ever before. Harvard defines cost burdened households as those that spend more than 30 percent of income on rent and utilities. Well, utilities have gotten more expensive under Biden. Rentals have gotten more expensive under Biden. He's not giving anybody any kind of relief because he really doesn't have the power to do it. One of the secrets about these units is you have huge investment organizations, right, like BlackRock um, and, 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 and those folks who come in and scoop up available inventory of homes so that they can rent and what they do is they then rent at the highest possible level to get a return on their investment. Now, are they evil for wanting a return on investment? No, they're, they're not evil for wanting a return on investment. But what's happening is this is why you end up with multi-generational families living in one house. So you have grandma downstairs. You, you've got uh, the, the, the young kids uh, upstairs. And then you got the parents uh, of the, the, the younger kids. Uh, living in the in the middle. I mean, it's 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 a rough approximation of how this stuff works. So this number is giant, and and this is actually, I think, a potentially winning issue for two different reasons. One, if the Republicans run on this and talk about the need for families to be able to form and for families to be able to get a place to live, that's that's one win. The second part of the win is creating a marketplace for this, so people can get an opportunity. Rental costs are cooling, but they they remain well above pre-pandemic costs of the 22.4 million renters who are rent burdened. The study found that roughly half of them are spending more than 50 percent of their income towards rent. So take all of the income that you have and you might be spending more than 50 percent of all the income you take home. And it's hitting people across the spectrum. People that earn between 30000 and 74000 
uh, people between 45,000 and 75,000. Uh, this is this is a, a massive challenge. In 2022, 83% of low-income households were cost-burdened. 65% of those people are experiencing severe burdens. And yet, the administration right now has opened up, has opened up uh, to, to the rest of the world. Come on in. Everything's great. The water is fine. It's tremendous. Please, please come here now. Do, do the American? I mean, I, I feel like Americans should have dibs. I feel like Americans that have been born here that are trying to raise families that are trying to get by. I think they ought to have a, you know, a a, a priority here, as opposed to the people who have just come across the border and now you've got these NGOs uh, soaking up uh, real estate properties and, and not not being able to uh, to make to make ends meet for the kids. Craig, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Good afternoon, Brett. Yes, sir. Um, you know, the cost of living has been going out of sight, and it's a lot of it has to do with our building codes. We, mm-hmm. Other countries have solved their homeless crisis, particularly Brazil. You can look and see the, what is called favelas that are built all along the mountainsides. And uh, in many places have things called shanty towns. Um, right. These are how they solve homelessness in countries other than ours. In America, everybody wants to live in a brand nice new apartment, fully loaded, or a house like that. And that's what's making our cost of living so unaffordable. We, we need to relax and bring back things called like Hoovervilles. And uh, I know it's not it's not pretty and you get an earthquake, it's going to collapse on you. Well, but. right. But, but what you're talking about is, look, you have zoning issues and, and you have and, and you have how are we going to construct these things? People don't want to build things. Well, you're going you're gonna to have to just build shoddy, shoddy buildings, and <laughs> they're going to come with the assessor, you know, the risk of hey, if a fire breaks out in one, you may lose thousands. Oh, I see. I can't. Uh, we 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 got to do better than that, Craig. I, I, I come on. I this is, it's a supply and demand issue. It's a, it's a supply and demand issue, and so there's a market out there, and, and the market says, you know, this. What's really also happening right now that nobody wants to talk about is the fact that your interest rates have gone up. So as a consequence, if 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 you own a house, so like let's say you own a house and you could get you could get four hundred thousand dollars for your house, right? And you go, okay, I want to put the house up on the market. I'm going to sell it for four hundred thousand dollars, whatever the number is, five hundred thousand dollars. Make it like really a super awesome house. It's five hundred thousand dollar house. Well, you sell that house. Where are you going to go move? Where are you going? Are you going to go live in an RV? Are you are you going to live in a cabin? Because you're going to have to go someplace else, right? So if you want to downsize, if you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my $500,000 house and I'm going to go buy a house for like, I, I don't know, two twenty-five. Okay, so you're not going to find a $225,000 house, probably. Um, unless you go way, 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 way out there and there's a, a fixer-upper or something like that. Number one. Number two. Number two, you're going to have to probably get a mortgage to buy something else. So you're going to be like, well, hey, when COVID hit, my my rate on my house was 3%. Well, now the rate is 7 and 8%. So, like, where are you going to come up with that extra scratch? Well, I'm, wait, so I'm going to sell my $500,000 house, and it's going to cost me a whole lot more money to buy a $225,000 house because of the rates going up. Yeah, because the rates went up. Why'd the rates go up? 
You, you know why, right? I mean, do, do I have to explain this? The reason why the rates went up was because Joe Biden spent five and six and seven trillion dollars on the Green New Deal and, and on all this other nonsense that, that happened and, and, and throwing money out like uh, like like it's coming out of a helicopter to, to forgive student loan debt and all that stuff. And you know what that did? That created inflation. That created inflation. And so they had to raise the rates. That's why you're now paying like, you know, 29 percent on a credit card because the rates have all gone up. When you tinker with the market, this is what you get. This is why we can't have nice things. Well, we could have nice things, but G-U-B-M-I-N-T is why. Government. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Good to be with you. As we uh, check in with each and every one of you from around the uh, area, 704-570-1110. Follow me on Twitter, at Winterbull Show. And uh, I got a, a lot of great feedback from yesterday's uh, conversation uh, with Jen and her story with uh, Folds of Honor. And uh, we're just so excited to uh, be able to get together and and spend time uh, with the great listeners at WBT and also at KOA in in Denver. And uh, if you're interested in coming on that trip with us and the great Folds of Honor folks, um, it's going to be at uh, tourwithbrett.com, tourwithbrett.com. Chris Murphy says, Chris Murphy is a, uh, a, a senator from the state of Connecticut. He says that Joe Biden implemented a very tough border policy and people don't want to give him the credit for the very tough border policy that he is trying to get passed in the house and in the senate well the senate you know is already basically on board the house is not on board because what they did was they took a plan to secure the border and they cut out the stuff that was important to the republicans in the house and what they're trying to do was cram this thing down your throat and make you take it and, and, and do what it is you're going to do. So I'm going to play a series of clips. This is from the last 24 hours. Let me start with cut number 29. Uh, cut number 29, uh, some commentary uh, along the border so far. I understand my predecessor's legal pass today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, Instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Let's remember who the heck we work for. Who are we? We work for the American people, not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. We work for the American people. Who are we? And let's remember who we are. We're the United States of America. No, I mean, just think about this. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. Nothing. We now, work together. There is. And if all things we should be working together on is this, we have the formula to get yeah. it done. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff that we can't do together. There's, there's plenty of stuff that we can't do. 
Um, you, you called you called uh, Republicans Neanderthals on the climate change issue. Uh, there's plenty of stuff we can't get we can't get done uh, together. There's there's a lot of stuff. And, and it's really it's because one party is oriented towards the Constitution and, and the other party is oriented towards I- imaginary feel good policies that just can be written into law magically with a with a pen like the DACA rules. Right. I mean, here, here's here's the thing. I want to go back in time on the border and I'm going to do that, but let me cut play cut number 20, uh, 31 next, and then I'm going to take you back in time on the border. Cut number 31, please. I've flown over a lot of these wildfires since I've been president. As a matter oh. of fact, I've been a helicopter in the west and the southwest and the northwest, flown over more land burned to the ground, all the vegetation gone, than the entire state of Maryland in mm. square footage. Square footage. The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends. Uh, who still think there's no climate change. Well, my administration is going to keep building on the progress we've made fighting climate crisis, and we're going to keep help folks rebuild themselves mm. in the wake of these disasters. And we... Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's saying that climate isn't changing. They're saying that is we don't believe that it's man-made climate change, that, that it, it could be that the Earth is heating up because of a variety of things, but... Um, Joe, Joe Biden is this remarkable character because remember he has been in Washington D.C. since like 1971 or 72. That is how long he has been in Washington D.C. He's never had a straight job, never done any of this sort of stuff. Uh, but but I got to I got to tell you something here. Joe Biden was party to something that was so awful. Back in the first term of his administration, when Hillary Clinton was the secretary of state and the horrible, horrible attorney general uh, uh, was 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 in charge of of the operation. And they decided they were going to do Operation Fast and Furious. Eric Holder and Hillary Clinton uh, fast and furious. They 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 decided what they were going to do was they were going to encourage Mexican drug cartels to come across the border into the United States to the gun shops along the border and to come in and purchase high uh, high powered rifles uh, and, 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 and weapons so that they could bring them back into Mexico and uh, pr- provide for, for the cartels to be heavily armed with American weaponry. And what happened was, as these Mexican Cartel members drove across the border in vans and in cars and in pickup trucks. They'd go to the gun stores and they would say, hey, we want to buy guns. And the guys at the gun stores would say, yeah, you've got Mexican tags on your uh, vehicle. Uh, I can't sell you uh, firearms because you are driving a vehicle that is going back into Mexico. And um, they would then pick up the phone because the people that own gun stores uh, are, are law-abiding people because they don't want to get in trouble with the BATF. And they would call the BATF and they would say, hey, listen, uh, we got these dudes coming in. They want to buy like 25 AR-15s. Uh, and they're from Mexico. As You guys should dispatch somebody over here to handle the situation. And the ATF back then under, under uh, Biden and Obama would say, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. We're running an operation. You could sell them to them. It's, everything's going to be fine. It's totally cool. And they sold, over the co- period of time, Operation Fast and Furious, they sold 3,000-plus firearms 
into the hands of the Mexican drug cartels, who then went down into Mexico and used the weapons um, to do what they do, which is shooting people, killing people, intimidating people, all that sort of stuff. And so once upon a time, way back, I know nobody wants to remember this, but I remember it distinctly. Back in 2010, you had a, a, a young, vibrant Border Patrol agent who was patrolling in Arizona. And he came across two cartel guys with guns. And the cartel guys murdered him. Murdered him. It's it's so unbelievable what the cartels did to, to, to this man. And he was working to protect the United States of America. And you know what the, the sad thing about this entire story was? Brian Terry was his name. 2010. He did not have a firearm. He did. They had not outfitted. The Obama-Biden administration had not given him a firearm to defend himself. And he ended up dying on the Arizona border with Mexico. And Joe Biden... And Barack Obama and Eric the Holder and Hilarious Clinton, they all blew it off. They thought it wasn't a big deal. But if you go back to the memory loop, if you go back to the day, you can find out about this. Cartel member Heraclio Osorio Arellanes, 38, arrested in Mexico because... He was one of the people that murdered Brian Terry, the Border Patrol agent. Despicable, disgusting, and wrong. So when this guy wants to lecture anybody about the border, what he's got to do, he's got to go and sit down with a priest or somebody and try to get some absolution for the policies that his administration has carried out beginning in 2009 and in 2010 and right up to this very moment itself. That's that's what I say. I think he's got to get some absolution because a lot of misery has been introduced into the United States of America along those border smuggling routes. And we don't even know how many people lost their lives as a result. There ought to be a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to find out where these children disappeared to and to find out how many people have been hurt and wounded uh, with with smuggling operations. We already know 100,000 plus have been murdered with fentanyl. We, We know that. But there ought to be a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And my hope is if Biden does not get reelected in this coming year, that Trump will decide that that's what's got to happen. And they'll bring them all in front of the American people in the Congress or in the Senate and make them testify about why they broke the border and made us fundamentally unsafe. And I hope the first person sitting in the front row at the State of the Union, if, if Trump ends up getting elected, I, I hope it's the Riley family so they can look right at the squad with the with the derision they deserve for doing what they did to break the border. Your president, Joe Biden, refused to mention Ms. Riley yesterday at all, hasn't called, hasn't written, hasn't made a comment. <laughs> Oh, 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 
News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterville Show, 704-570-1110. So the, uh, the, the, this, this border bill that has got to get hammered out, first of all, it can't be hammered out the way it's being offered up by, by the Biden administration. Because what he's essentially saying to people is, uh, my way or the highway. That, that's a Limp biscuit reference. But he's basically saying, my way or the highway. And so we're going to uh, take a deep dive uh, in, into that. Uh, as, as well, the U.S. Coast Guard is, tell, is telling Gavin Newsom to go jump in the ocean. And I'll tell you about that later. But I want to bring on breaking Brett Jensen, one of my favorite people uh, in the whole world of broadcasting. Breaking Brett, uh, a wonderful outing last night. Uh, for, by all accounts, I've been getting rave reviews on your uh, on your cigar uh, club uh, meetup. Well, I appreciate that. You know, you never know how things are going to go your first time. And plus doing it in a place that's, in, you know, in Gastonia and, you know, depending on where you live in Charlotte or Mecklenburg County, it can be an hour, hour and 10 minute drive. But it was, you know, we had reservations for, I think, 40 people. And wow. somewhere I was told somewhere around 65, close to 70 showed up. And it was fantastic. And we had a lot of great cigars. I met a lot of great people, a lot of Loyal, very very loyal listeners to WBT mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was awesome and it was a, it was a, actually a great time I got there at 545 was having such a good time I left at 945 wow that's awesome what a great outing I mean absolutely fantastic let me uh and I know that you you'll probably have other ones ha- happening as well I heard you uh, talking about that uh, uh you know moving forward on this right uh that's the plan that's the goal I mean good it was stuff. so successful why stop at one let's keep why going not? baby why not absolutely all right uh, you've got yourself some uh, some very interesting news that you wanted to uh, share with the class. So can you uh, tell us what's what's going on in in in, uh, in the stuff that you're working on? So earlier today, while I was at CMPD headquarters for a press conference, I broke a story of CMS having their third gun on campus this year. This time it was at Rocky River High School, out towards the Mint Hill area. And the first two guns were each found on separate occasions at North Mac High School. This one's at Rocky River High School. And it was found in a student's backpack, a loaded pistol found in a student's backpack that a school resource officer was able to get while it was inside the actual school building. So that took place today. And, you know, there were a lot of questions that I asked CMS and they just refused to answer them. Really? What is the what is the age of the grade of the kid? They said, well, we can't give that out. It's a juvenile. I said, no, you absolutely can give that out because CMPD all the time says, hey, two 15-year-olds mm-hmm. were arrested. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to give the age and the grade. You mm-hmm. just can't give the name. And um, you can even say the sex, but you, they CMS refused to. Um, I asked CMS how it got inside the school building. They refused to answer. Whoa. And there were a couple other things that they just, look, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. And apparently this is the new CMS where they're going back on lockdown with their information like they did about uh, before two years ago. So apparently this is CMS is going back to its old ways when George Dunlap, the chairman of the Mecklenburg Mm -hmm. County Commission, Mm -hmm. once told me, Brett, don't you understand people at CMS are hired just to say no? Wow. When you have the Mecklenburg County board chairman Mm -hmm. saying that Mm -hmm. commissioner chairman saying that. That speaks, that speaks volumes. Except I, a little birdie has told me in the past that um, you, you, you will eventually get that information. It, it, will, it, will, it will come out at some point. Uh, uh, yes. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's fairly fair to say. Pretty accurate. 
Um, do do you how many do you know how many guns have 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 been found uh, this year? Do you do you have a running number on that? Yeah, this this school year three. Three. Well, this that's school an year, improvement. There have been three. That's an improvement. I mean, it's, well, I mean, yeah. Was it a couple years ago there were thirty? Yeah. And then I think there was seven, and then I think there's seven, and then this year there's been three. This school where this happened, and I'm going to be due for a break here in a second, but this school where it happened. Is it one of those open plans, or is it a you have a, a controlled ingress and egress? It's it's completely 100% controlled. Wow. Wow. And that's why there are a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, breaking Brett Jensen coming up uh, tonight, right? You got uh, you got a whole bunch of other details on this? Oh, yeah. And I got my uh, exclusive one-on-one interview that I did with Johnny Jennings an hour after he landed from being at the White House. Wow. That took place Wednesday night. The full interview will be tonight. And I went to the CMPD press conference, and Mark Garrison has a wild, crazy, cool story, as only Mark Garrison can do. Great stuff. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the night, and uh, we'll be listening at uh, 7 o'clock, my friend. I appreciate it, Brett. Thanks a lot. You got it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, this is great. This 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 is so fantastic because it gives me hope about our society and our country. And I'm dead serious. So let me uh, let me explain this uh, story to you because this matters because you are American people and I am American people. And it's about the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard. I have great respect for the people in the Coast Guard. I have great respect for what they do. They do incredibly dangerous things out there. They save lives. They are, they are absolutely fantastic. But California has come up with this, uh, with this new enforcement regulation that they demand the Coast Guard enforce. The U.S. Coast Guard has said, we are not going to enforce this. So the CARB, they call it the CARB, the California Air Resources Board, says that they are demanding, demanding the Coast Guard go out there and inspect some ships and look for something specific. The Coast Guard and business organizations oppose CARB's requirement that commercial harbor craft install diesel particulate filters that have been linked to a number of fires. 17 states are suing the EPA for giving an exemption to California alone to enact its own air standards that, by power of its market size, govern the rest of the country. That's what people don't realize. Um, If you buy a car, you buy a car, you buy a truck, a van, the standards are almost always fitted to the state of California's standards. They have because they sell so many vehicles and they, they have so many people living in that state. They kind of call the tune for the rest of the country. And I'll give you an example of, of something here. I don't know if any of you guys purchase a uh, you'll purchase a say a Jeep because I, I have a I have a Jeep and my wife has a Jeep. 
the Jeep that I purchased, I purchased in California. The Jeep that she purchased here was purchased in here in in in, uh, in South Carolina. Now you know when you can hit the button in the Jeep and you can st- stop the engine from cutting off uh, at the intersections. I don't know if people are familiar with that technology. So what that was about that that's about protecting the environment, right? So the engine shuts down or it doesn't shut down. You can bypass it and all that sort of stuff. Catalytic converters, that's another huge thing that the state of California mandates. I mean, if you come into the state of California and try to get an inspection and you don't have a catalytic converter, they're, they're going to make your life a living hell. And um, people are stealing catalytic converters right off of cars, sometimes while they're idling. Um, so there's they're lunatics out, out on that West Coast uh, state. So the Coast Guard... And the business organizations who are out there running around oppose the requirement that commercial harbor craft install this diesel particulate filter situation. But because the market is so big, people are pushing for this. So CARB is required to receive authorization for a waiver from the EPA under the Clean Air Act, which it is yet to secure. And in the meantime, the Coast Guard has been told to get out there and start inspecting ships. Rear Admiral uh, a- Andrew M. Sugimoto, who commands the U.S. Coast Guard's 11th District that stretches from the California border to the Oregon border and, and then all the, way, all the way to Peru, wrote a letter to CARB detailing his issues with the pending requirement. He says feasibility and potential stability issues and potential safety issues are a problem for us. And I, we don't know that we can do this. So what's happening now? The, car, the Coast Guard is coming in and saying to Gavin Newsom, go stick it. Go stick it. The American Waterways operators have put out this r- r- report. We move 665 million tons of cargo each year while emitting 43% less greenhouse gases than rail and 832% less than trucks. You guys are trying to make it so that we're supposed to comply with all this stuff. It's insane. This is what has to happen. This is why Trump is calling him new scum. I mean, he, he really is. He's, he's had it with this guy. This guy thinks he gets to call the tune for, for America. California is not America. It's marginally in America, but it's basically not America. It, it, it's basically New Simica, right? New Simica. That's what it is. They, they should just rename his state to New Simica. Uh, and then people who, who love Newsom can, can kick it with him and, and, and do what they want to do. But um, there's a problem with that idea. The problem with that idea is you're going to be accused of white rural rage or Christian nationalism. Now, if you're driving, don't raise your hand, but kind of answer in your mind. Are, are you part of the problem of white rural rage? There's a brand new book that came out about the white rural rage. And they're also worried about the Christian nationalism. We'll take it one by one. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk a little white rural rage. And I want to find out, uh, based on this checklist that I've put together, whether or not you have white rural rage. No, I, I don't know if there's any kind of an urban, urban crowded rage. That would be the UCR as opposed to the WRR. I don't know. Is there, is there rage? Is there rage in the cities? I, I, I got to find out. 
<laughs> it's just, it's amazing. Um, I want you to make sure you're calm enough to hear this breakdown of the white rural rage. Uh, essentially, you're the problem. If you live in a rural area, you, you are dangerous. Uh, you are part of the rage. You're a racist. You're all the things. I mean, just you just check all the boxes. What they're trying to do is they're trying to draw you off sides. Uh, I'm going to let you hear about this. It's it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, they are done with these arguments there at the court. And D.A. Willis is awaiting her fate. The judge says he hopes to have a decision in two weeks on whether or not she and Nathan get bounced. From everything I heard earlier today, they deserve to be bounced. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. MSNBC with a piece that is just uh, disturbing as all get out. The frightening truth about the key demographic bullying Trump in the general election. As Trump heads towards the nomination, rural voters are once again the foundation of his support. Now, understand MSNBC anchored in New York City. Um, they, they, they look down on you to a degree. Really, if you I consume all the morning shows and the people over at MSNBC and NBC broadly. Oh, gosh. You really you shouldn't ever watch it because they despise regular people. They just they despise regular people. One more prominent uh, here. Let me let me start with this. As Trump heads towards the nomination, rural voters are once again the foundation of his support in the Michigan primary. For instance, Trump beat Nikki Haley handily. In every part of the state, but his largest margin of victory was rural areas. According to data assembled by the Daily Yonder, he outpolled Haley by 37.6 points. In the metropolitan areas of the state, in rural areas, he beat her by 53.2%. In the general election, Trump will be buoyed by those rural white voters just as he has in the primaries. In fact, if he wins the White House again while losing the popular vote, a distinct possibility, it will be because of the rural supporters that used their outside leverage to put him there. And that takes us to a book that a couple of eggheads wrote. The disproportionate power that rural voters wield and their unusual devotion to Trump are among the topics of Tom Schaller and uh, and and another guy in a brand new book called White Rural Rage, the threat to American democracy. Through the Electoral College, the undemocratic Senate in which Wyoming's 600,000 residents hold the same influence as California's 39 million and gerrymanders in red states that use rural voters to make GOP's control impenetrable. Rural voters exercise a disproportionate power that no other group enjoys. At the same time, the polls show that you rural white people not only are more likely to express racism, xenophobia and conspiracism than Americans who live anywhere else, 
but your commitment to the American model of democracy is also increasingly tenuous. Of course, that doesn't apply to all you rural white people. And plenty of Americans in suburbs and cities also share those views. But the rural whites are particularly important because of the unusual political power they wield. Wait a minute. Really? The whites have an unusual political power. What is that? No one understands that better than Trump. The election denialism at the center of his candidacy, both the lie that the 2020 election was stolen and the claim that if he loses again, it'll be because of fraud, finds a particularly receptive audience among rural voters. 2021 Public Religion Research Institute poll, for instance, found that 22 percent of those who lived in cities said the 2020 election was stolen compared to 30 percent of suburbanites and 47 percent of rural respondents. The practical consequences are evident in the politicians who represent these slack jawed yokels. I'm sorry, that that was that's not really in the article. That's what they're saying, though. Um, the practical consequences are evident in the politicians who represent these areas, as we saw on January 6, 2021, using the City Lab classification of congressional districts, 48 of the 139 House members who refused to certify the 2020 election after the insurrection January 6 came from, quote, purely rural districts. Another 55 percent represented rural suburban districts, while 42% of all House districts fall into one of those two categories. Members from those districts made up 74% of those who refused to certify the election. And over the Trump era, rural America has grown more steadily Republican. According to the Pew Research Center data, Trump won 59% of the rural vote in 2016, 65% in 2020. And among just rural whites, he went from 62% in 2016 to 71% in 2020. So if you agree with him on his policies, you're evil. If you disagree with him on his policies, you are a saint. Rural states like South Dakota, with its population density of 11.7 people per square mile, may have leaned Republican, but there's still a good measure of intra-party competition. So South Dakota is still okay and safe. But the other states, oh, get away from them. Don't go anywhere near your Louisianas, your South Carolinas, your, I mean, just, this is... This is the deplorable argument all over again. They, they have run out of any sort of a good idea. And what they've done is not sent Joe Biden in to go try to win votes of rural voters. There are Democrats who live out in the rural area. Why, why are they not trying to convert conservatives into, into Democrats? Why are they not doing it? Trump says he's going to go do a rally in the Bronx. He says he's going to go do a rally in Chicago. He says he's going to go do a rally in a variety of places. Why does the president who is in, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue today, why does he not go out and try to persuade people? Oh, Brett, it's a waste of time. Okay, but if he's choosing not to reach out to anything but the cities, and be honest here, he goes from Washington to Philadelphia to New York to Delaware to California, 
He barely went to Texas yesterday. Barely went to Texas. Shouldn't he be talking to all the people around the country? Shouldn't he be trying to persuade those? Shouldn't he be doing media buys? Shouldn't he be uh, announcing what the plan was going to be for, you know, a great second term or any of that sort of stuff? He only cares about Chicago, New York. He cares about Washington, D.C. He cares about Baltimore. He cares about Scranton. He cares about Los Angeles. He cares about San Francisco. He's, he's, he's really ignoring a lot of the, the big swath of the country. And uh, it's not, that's not right. It's not fair. It shouldn't be the case. You should be out there campaigning all over the place. I know he's tired. He's exhausted. He's also not very young. But this is a case of, this is the exact same thing that you see when a team becomes like a, um, when a team becomes a dynasty. And then the other teams look at them and they go, we hate them. We hate them. We hate them. Well, then go beat them. Go beat them. Go find a way to, to, to defeat them. Defeat them decidedly. The single worst thing that this administration ever could have done was trying to put Donald Trump in jail every 15 minutes. All it's done is galvanized his support. Uh, whether or not you know this, in the big, in the big swinging cities, people like outlaws. People like outlaws. And people like people who stick it to the other people. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Brent Witterbull and Bo Thompson as we cross the streams one final time for the week. Brought to you by PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Bo Thompson, good to have you here, man. Happy Friday, almost weekend. It's almost weekend, man. I'm, I am stoked. I'm excited. It's uh, it's a You can feel it in the air, the way the weather's kind of ebbing and flowing. Spring is around the corner and March Madness is around the corner. Lots of good stuff around the corner there, Bo Thompson. Yeah, two weeks from today... ACC tournament three weeks from today, March Madness, uh, first round. So yeah, it's it's March. It's March. This is great. You know what that means? It means we're going to have Easter this month, and then we're going to be right into uh, into April. And April is adjacent to summer, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and April is the Masters. Yes, uh, a tradition unlike any other. Any other. There you go. All right. So this also means that like the travel season is going to heat up, right? The travel season is going to get underway. Stuff is going to be right. happening. People are going to be getting on aeroplanes. And I, I came across this story that I think is very interesting, and I think everybody could understand this. Essentially, the story goes like this. Um, you get on a plane, and you're in a row, and at the end of that row is a window. And the battles that have now begun between people wanting the shade down or the shade up of the window has 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 gone kind of epic where now you've got people debating whose real estate it is where the window and the shade goes up or down does it belong to the person who bought the seat that's next to the window or is it community property where you have to you have to vote on who's in charge of that of that of that window so what do you what where do you come down on this Bo Thompson so Beth sent me the same article this week, and, and, and we talked about this almost. Uh, you, sent, you sent it to me this morning, and, and we had it in our stack of things to get to, and, and we 
we spent a, se- a segment or two on this today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's you're talking about if you're in the row going horizontally, you know, uh, of the three of you or four of you, right? you know, who makes the decision about the window. I've always sort of assumed that, um, you know, if you're the one closest to the window, then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have, uh, you, you have, I guess, first dibs on, sure. on, and you make the final decision or, or you can make, or you can ask huh. the people in your same row. But she was saying this morning, you know, uh, there's so many uh, seats on planes now. They cram so many people in there yes. that now the actual window doesn't always line up perfectly with that's, the row horizontally. That's, that's right. That, you know, part of it sort of uh, <laughs> could be controlled from the back and then forward. And, you know, there's a, there's a situation where... Um, you know, a, a, a little girl from behind was flipping the thing up, and then the person in front down. And, mm-hmm. you know, they make fun of me in the morning a lot because I have been known to, if I really am excited about seeing a movie and I want to make sure that I'm, you know, in a situation where I'm not worrying about whether the person next to me is going to talk too loud or, or spread out all over the chair, right? That I have been known to actually buy another seat. Beside myself, I love that. that. I lo- I don't hate that at all. I that I I, I absolutely that's fantastic. I'm I'm one hundred thousand percent with you on that. So I we meant, we've mentioned that on, in the morning a lot, and they they always laugh at me for that. I call it my cushion of protection. That's great. Um, but but we were talking this morning specifically about not only I mean the airplane situation you're talking about was the catalyst, but you know when you go and see. I mean, movie theater seats these days, uh, half the time, are like recliners. So, so they're trying to, oh. to, to make it more and more uh, com- comfortable and, you know, to lure you into the, to the theater, especially after the pandemic. You know, they're pulling out all the stops. But if you go to a Panthers game or you go to a Hornets game right. or you go to a sporting event where the seats are closer together, mm-hmm. you know, there's, that, there's the armrest that's between the two seats. Yes. And, you know, sometimes somebody will sit down, you know, and they'll spread out. And, you'll, and I, 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 you know, I'm always trying to be cordial to the person on the right and left, especially when it's that close together. But I do think there's sort of um, – there's a battle that goes on often unsaid uh, in this country with, with uh, uh, arenas or theaters or things like that where people, you know, don't always practice uh, armchair uh, for courtesy, sure. You know, Oh, for sure. For sure. It's – but I don't know how you fix it because the only way you fix it is you you make each seat have its own armrest. But when you have a stadium set up, it's you know they need stadium as close together as they can be because they want to fit more people in. So you know you see the yeah. dilemma. See, I I, I think I, I think what what will end up happening at some point is you're gonna you're gonna have a a higher price ticket, but you are gonna have two armrests. You know, and I think they'll just make it up. And there are people who are going to be totally willing to pay that, you know, to be say, hey, you know what? I want two armrests right Uh, here. I'm I'm, I'm one of them. (laughs) But but see, on the airplane, here's what's difficult on the airplane. So if if, like, let's say hypothetically, I know you and I wouldn't do it. But if we bought two seats, right, if we purchased two seats to fly, when the when the people that are on that plane realize that. That that seat is available. They're going to grab somebody from the lounge and stuff them in there next to you, whether you bought it or not. They're not. There's no guarantee that you can actually occupy two seats on a plane. I think. 
You're exactly right. And look, when I say I'd buy an extra movie seat, that's a lot. That's completely <laughs> oh, yeah. different than buying an extra airplane. Of course, I'm not. I'm not in that category. I, I have not done that, and that's a little. Uh, and they'll still, but they'll confiscate it from you anyways. They're going to be like, oh well, yeah, too bad. You know, that's it. Again, back to uh, they love to give me a hard time in the morning. I've told this story before, where my movie theater uh, decision has backfired on me before because uh, there was one time a couple years ago where I did the thing where I bought a seat next to me and uh, this lady like two minutes before the movie started it was a packed theater looked in uh, from the outside and was scanning for an open seat and saw the one next to me and then walked right up and sat there you know and and what am I going to do? Uh, excuse me, I purchased that, so you, nobody can. I mean, I, I wasn't no, that, but no. she, she came in and sat down, and not only did she sit down, she made like she just, you know, you know what you say, up and spread out, and it's, it, it, no. You so, know what you say? You? You, you say to her, you say to her, I'm Brett Jensen. Get out of the seat. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You, you say, um, you, you, you know, you say, you say, I'm Brett Witterbull, and uh, you can have this seat uh, as long as you want. Um, so what, what, what have you got coming up? <laughs> no, we're not going to start using people's names that unauthorized <laughs> at the events. We can't do that. Oh, that's, oh, terrible. that's terrible. What a way to end the week. That was perfect. Oh, uh, you know, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> no, it, it was great. We love Brett. Uh, we love Brett. But, we love all Brett's. He, he, yeah, all Brett's. All Brett's are great. We, we love Brett. We love Jensen. We love Winterbull. Uh, you know. <laughs> Even the Bretts, we don't know their last names. Uh, Monday on the show, we have uh, Mulvaney, uh, first name Mick. Uh, Good. Excellent. On on the eve of Super Tuesday and um, uh, everything else that happened over your weekend, uh, there's never telling on a Monday. It's always jam-packed. And Beth and I will crank it up at 6. And we also invite people to check out our new show on Mix Mm -hmm. 107.9, Saturday mornings from 7 to 10, doing kind of a different thing on a Saturday morning where you're maybe uh, changing up the routine a little bit. We're having some fun playing some music and, uh, you know, playing around down the hall a little bit. Mandatory listening for sure. For sure. Enjoy the weekend. And I can't wait to get back with you on Monday, man. Thanks so much. Absolutely. You have a great one too, man. You got it. That's Bo Thompson. I'm Brett Witterbull. Nice pull, TJ. Earlier today, I had somebody make a reference to me about liking. I, I got to read this. This 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 was a text that came into me. I, I, people do text me from time to time. Here, here's what I got. I got. I, if I didn't know better, and didn't know you from the radio, I would swear you have cornrows and wear flannel shirts. Because of my nine inch nails reference, oh, okay. the metal reference. Uh, the new metal. Actually, technically, I think Nine Inch Nails is is new metal. It's it's more it, well, it's actually old school, but it's new metal. You see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, new metal is actually more akin to Limp Biscuit. Right. Limp Biscuit, Corn, kind of, maybe, sorta. Mud Mudvayne. I want to like Mudvayne. I saw Mudvayne. I I think there's a lot of talent on that stage, but to be honest with you. I think the best possible combination you would have in a mud vein kind of world would be mud vein and slipknot at the same time. I feel like that would work. I feel like a mud vein slipknot sandwich 
with an undercard of Deftones would be all right. That's, that's, that's where I'd be. That's where I'd be. Because, because, you know, you think about this. Him describing me in that apparel is actually much more like Dexter and, and those guys who, who were kicking it with Offspring. Oh, yeah. That was an Offspring look like in two, like 97, yeah. 98. That was that look, that SoCal look. You know, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a Ph.D., I mean, he is a P. Dexter's a Ph.D. and he's got his own salsa company. I mean, he's a smart dude. He works on like molecular biology stuff. I mean, he's he's like people are smart who do who play music. You know why? Because mathematics, mathematics and and music are really interconnected. See, I could never I could not I can't play a note. I can't play an open note. On a guitar. I wouldn't have any idea how to even play an open note. That's just nothing. But I like lyric. See, I think you either like lyric or you like melody. Or you like rhythm. Or you like blues. I'm trying to be ecumenical. That's all I'm just telling you right now. Putin plans to stoke the conflict in Africa with private militias, weaponizing the flow of migrants to try and influence European elections. This is a story out of the Daily Mail. This is a story out of the Daily Mail that comes from yesterday. And you didn't see this anywhere on the news because the people who are giving you the news are not telling you what the next shoe to drop is. The United States has been destabilized to a certain extent with the border being wide open. Russia is now trying to destabilize Europe and influence its elections by anybody want to guess this? I mean, this is a this is a legitimate news source. This is the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail is not a is not a goofy operation. They're saying that they're going to the Russians are going to push a flow of migrants into the European continent to try to destabilize uh, the election picture there in Europe. Vladimir Putin already wields influence over a number of the main routes used to reach the continent. And now it is feared by people in Europe that Russia will intensify its efforts to move migrants towards Europe with the arrival of spring using uh, paramilitary forces and private mercenaries, including the notorious Wagner Group. It is believed Russia will stoke violence in an already volatile nation such as Burkina Faso, Mali, Sudan, and the Central African Republic, and Libya, forcing people to flee their homes and drive them into Europe. The Kremlin has already been accused of trying to create a refugee crisis by sending asylum seekers to its border with Finland, forcing the new NATO member to close its doors to migrants in a, stem, in a bid to stem the tide. And since 2021, Belarus... Russia's closest ally, has been accused of funneling migrants from the Middle East and North Africa who have traveled up through Russia to its borders with Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia. This is one of the stories that, that goes unremarked upon uh, for, for a lot of people. Now, you have seen this in the Mediterranean off the coast of Africa, North Africa, and you will have people who get on these very unsafe boats and try to make the run towards uh, Sicily and to Italy. And they are coming north to try to get 
relief from the destabilized countries there in North Africa. Now, what is the worst destabilized country in North Africa that's adjacent to uh, Italy? It's Libya. And how did that happen? Do you remember what happened when Hillary Clinton and the Biden, uh, the, the Obama Biden administration decided that they had to take out Muammar Gaddafi? And you recall what happened with Benghazi. And you recall how you were told that Benghazi was about um, was was about uh, a terror attack on the uh, on the annex that was not an Al Qaeda attack, but it was an Al Qaeda attack because the Al Qaeda attack was claimed by Al Qaeda as a result of that. So what happened? You end up going in, you end up killing Muammar Gaddafi. The area becomes destabilized. Hillary Clinton wanted to uh, get, get her measure of success to prime her for that run in 2016. And they used uh, operators to, to, to go pull that stuff off. Now, Libya, Libya is operating open air slave markets and are abusing uh, people who are coming into transit and they're being sent across the Mediterranean on these very day. I'm talking about I'm talking about like a, a, a little boat that you might go out off of a um, off of a fishing hole uh, somewhere. They're trying to take those boats across the Mediterranean to get to Italy to get uh, to get protection. So I am not surprised at all. I am not surprised at all. Because the Telegraph is now reporting that it has seen intelligence documents detailing Russian plans for agents to set up a 15,000-man-strong border police force made up of former militias in Libya to funnel migrants towards Europe. The plans fell through as payments were made via the Russia-Libyan Cultural Institute in Moscow, and it never happened, although it is believed to be a taste of what would happen and what could happen. So you're looking at a guy who's looking to create a whole bunch of mischief or or, ladies and gentlemen, maybe not. What if this is. Agitprop, what if this is something that is just bold faced lies designed to drive a stronger support from the European allies to help out Ukraine. Anything, and I mean anything, is possible. This is what disinformation could look like. Or this is what is really going to happen come June with the European Parliament. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. So the Russians are trying to destabilize Europe. The Chai-Coms are sneaking into Maine. 
and, 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 and I mean, but like a lot of them are sneaking into Maine. This is, this is a, see, the problem with just watching what you're being spoon-fed by the heritage media is that you miss a lot of the stuff that's happening, and it's going to end up being stories that you will come across, like, in the next uh, 72 hours. And it'll be a huge story. Watch. I will predict that the Russian story I just did and this Chinese nationals being arrested at the main border. These will be stories tomorrow by mid-afternoon because I can I can see the ebb and the flow of these of, of these stories. So what's going on with these Chinese nationals trying to cross the border in Maine? The southern border is a catastrophe. We know that. But the U.S. northern border is also becoming an issue. Why? Because people are crossing the U.S. border with Canada at historically high numbers. A group of four Chinese nationals was arrested by the Border Patrol after they tried to sneak into Maine from Canada. A Chinese national living in New York helped them out. Apparently, he was driving them somewhere and was stopped for suspicious activity. After noticing suspicious activity along the border, vigilant Fort Fairfield Border Patrol agents arrested the three Chinese nationals attempting to use the cover of darkness to illegally enter the United States. So let me answer me this question. Okay, this is important. If you want to seek asylum in the United States, why are you sneaking in through the woods at night or in the daytime? Why are you sneaking into the woods? According to the statement, a fourth Chinese national who was suspected of attempting to pick up the group and smuggle them into the country was also arrested. A driver from New York, also a Chinese national, who was already in immigration proceedings, was also arrested and suspected of attempting further illegal entry into the United States. Now, why do I bring this up? I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is really concerning because it tells me two things. One, the Mounties are not protecting the border between the United States and Canada. Number one. Number two, it is rare to find Chinese nationals apprehended at the northern border. It used to be rare to see them at the southern border until recently. Most are young men of military service age. The number of Chinese nationals who sought to enter the U.S. in 2021 was 450. In 2022, it was 2,000. In 2023, it was 24,000. And just since the end of January, there have been 18,750 Chinese coming in. So you went from 450 to 2,000 to 24,000, to 18,000 in about six weeks. The latest apprehension of Chinese illegal aliens happened at the border with Fort Fairfield. Now, why, why, Brett, why are, you, why are you harping on this? Why are you making this a big story? Okay. What started on February the 26th? Does anybody know what started on February the 26th? On February the 26th, Texas caught on fire. 
Nobody knows how it started. Nobody knows where it started, other than being up in the Panhandle area. It's adjacent to a nuclear weapons lab. So, so like, is it impossible to think that saboteurs might have come into Texas and suddenly there's a, there's a fire that's going on the 26th and by the 27th to the 28th, you, you have what? You have a massive conflagration consuming about a million, about a million acres. How did that happen? How did how did that happen? How, how did the fire in Lahaina happen? How did the derailment there in East Palestine, Ohio happen? How did any of this stuff happen? This stuff just happens. And then we just assume, well, you know what? Someone is just going to have to go clean it up. 850, a million thousand billion acres of land in Texas is on fire. This is disgusting. This is disgraceful. What if it's saboteurs? What if it's people trying to do something? Well, we don't know. Because I guarantee you, whoever lit that fire, if it was a fire bug, if it was, if it was an arsonist, that person is now uh, hundreds of miles away looking to burn other stuff. Or maybe they left the country. Or maybe they didn't. Or maybe there'll be more of this. You know, once you get into March, you get the heavy winds coming in through the plains. You get the winds coming in. You get the hot, dry temperatures coming in. Uh, this, is, this is a very common, uh, a, a common occurrence. Lynn, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hi. Hi. I was going to um, mention something that you already have mentioned, but just to give you a heads up, there's a fantastic article from The Hill that was on January 5th, 2017 by Matthew Smith-Mech, M-E-C-K, an investigative reporter. And the part about um, the Middle East that you brought up, yes, Fast and Furious has been linked to the Middle East, especially Libya, and the OIG, the Office of Inspector General. Mm -hmm. And M16s, AR15s, AK47s, 1911 Colt 45s, grenade launchers, Kevlar vests, night vision goggles, all went with an introduction from... Benghazi specifically, mm-hmm. over to Mexico, mm-hmm. through um, the Middle East, and part of the Middle East that it went through was Turkey and Syria, mm-hmm. and then on to Mexico. Yep. And I don't think people realize that connection, but when it was shipped, it was shipped a few days before the Benghazi attack. Mm-hmm. And Chris Stevens was involved in knowing about that. And Hillary Clinton, remember when she said offhandedly and with a cackle laugh, of course, we came, we saw he died. Yes, that's correct. Yep. They killed him with a Bowie knife. um, And at any rate, um, that has been... um, studied by Daryl Issa mm-hmm. in the House and Senator Chuck Grassley in the Senate. And both have been on the House Oversight Committee trying to expose this and the cover-up that followed it. In At the time was Obama's president, right. Eric Holder, mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton. That's right. 
and they all were involved in this. And John Podesta, another Chicagoan, as I talked about before, the Chicago cabal, made a remark to Hillary Clinton regarding the Free Syrian Army. And that Free Syrian Army was over in Syria, and it transversed right through there. Yeah. And the person who was involved in being the conduit was being sued by the government. Mm-hmm. But a day before they would go to trial, because he had lots of money from being a gun runner, he was going to fight the government, and the government dropped the case. Yeah. And that's one of the few times that somebody has been able to make the government drop a case, but it's very similar to what's going on now with an informant regarding Russia who's been arrested. Yeah, absolutely. And now being prosecuted. Right. And, you know, one time when I was studying um, political science, the teacher said, misdirection is the key element that is created in a space where someone gives people something to look at to take their mind away from what's really they should be looking at and seeing. Absolutely. Great call, Lynn. I appreciate that very much. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Coming up in the beginning of the next hour, we're going to talk about the newcomers. Have you guys heard the phenomenon of the newcomers? We're going to talk about the newcomers. It's important for you to No, it's not a band. Who thinks it's a band? It's not a band. They're the newcomers. It sounds like it would be kind of a cool band, but no, it's not. It's um, it's it's something completely different. Hey, congratulations, by the way. Kamala Harris hanging out in Durham. I'm, I'm perplexed by this visit that she's making to the uh, state of uh, North Carolina. Vice President Kamala Harris to visit North Carolina. She came in. Oh, I'm sorry. She already came in, in to Durham uh, on Friday. So today. Right. So she came in today. This is what's so interesting. This is her 10th trip to the state since being sworn in in her second trip this year. So she came here in Charlotte to a school to announce a $285 million funding uh, deal to help schools across the country hire, train and uh, maintain mental health counselors. The funding was a result of a historic bipartisan Safer Communities Act, most significant gun safety law in nearly 30 years, et cetera. But I believe you are going to see with this election coming up. Now, we actually we have to get through D8. We have to get through Super Tuesday and all that sort of stuff. And we're going to get you up to date on all that stuff. I'll have Spencer Kimball come back in next week. But here's the thing. I remember, I'm old enough to remember that in 2016, Barack Obama basically took up residency in the state of North Carolina in those closing weeks of that of that general election. I I think they are going to fight tooth and nail for Joe Biden to come in here and to um, and and to and to do the the stuff that he wants to do. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. I, I, I believe sincerely that there are a lot of people here who do not appreciate the policies that are being deployed by the federal government there in in uh, D.C. Uh, 
you have a lot of people who purposely left places that they didn't like anymore, places like New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts and Ohio and Pennsylvania and, and those states where there was less freedom, especially in the wake of COVID-19. There was way less freedom and people want way more freedom. And so I, I, I think there's going to be a, a very strong reaction from the people in North Carolina and the people in South Carolina. But we just had that primary uh, um, last week that are not going to be very, very enthused about Kamala Harris or Joe Biden coming into the state. I mean, he already we already saw him walk around with with Roy Cooper, uh, Governor Cooper and and, and eating ice cream and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think the image of him eating ice cream is very off putting. Not Roy Cooper. Roy Cooper eats it in a dignified way. Um, I'm talking about the president of the United States. He, he seems to eat that ice cream in, in, in a in just a very strange way. And the thing that bothers me is he takes these big, like big honking licks and these big honking bites. This is I try to respect the people who run the government. I try to respect people. Uh, as human beings, there is no possible way that when he takes one of those big honking bites of ice cream, you ever notice what he doesn't get? Brain freeze. Brain freeze. What, what, what does that mean? Like, does that mean he is so practiced at just chowing on a just a double hunk of whatever flavor he's eaten? Or does he just not feel the pain? Like, is that you look at him, he looks different than he did in 2020. He looks way different than he did in 2016. But he never gets brain freeze. If I eat that, if I eat a softball glop of ice cream, I am I am searching immediately for a glass of warm water to kind of break it up. So my brain doesn't go into into just full mayhem. There's, I mean, there's only there's two ways you can get the brain freeze out of your head if you eat ice cream. Do you know what they are? What? Okay, you drink something, drink some warm water. You can kind of melt that thing down because it's like in your sternum at that point, and you're like, I am gonna pass out. This is the way you could actually save yourself the pain of brain freeze. When you when it sets in, the minute it sets in, you take your tongue. And apply it to the roof of your mouth. Do not try to talk while you're doing it. Because you will sound like Joe Biden. You will sound. No. Keep keep the tongue up on the roof of your mouth. No. No. You don't put your tongue on somebody else's roof of the mouth. We're in the era of, of. We're in the era of cooties. We don't need that. But that's it. That's what you do. But I don't understand because I watched Joe Biden and I, I got to tell you, somebody must have hidden the ice cream from him or they promised him a lot of ice cream on the airplane when he was walking around in Texas. Because the last thing anybody would want to see is Joe Biden standing there looking at the border operation and him eating some uh, dulce de leche. You know, some of that Mexican ice cream that you can get. It's pretty tasty. It's good stuff. Maybe I thought he might have gotten a horchata, a little of that rice drink. That might have been fun stuff, too. But that's there's too much green in that. There's too many there's too many vegetables in that for him. Uh, he, he likes just going with the ice cream stuff. How are you voting in the D8 race? If you are in District 8, where are you coming down? 
we're, we're starting to hear the poll numbers. We're starting to look at some of these poll numbers. Uh, we, we heard earlier today a report that said that, you know, it, it looks to be a, a Mark Harris versus Bradford uh, race. Where are you going? How are you making that decision if you are in the uh, District 8 battle? How are you uh, going for, you know, going on this race? Who are you going with? Who do you want in that position? Bauckham? Brown? Brown? Uh, any number of these people that are, that are eligible out there? Or are you looking for somebody else? Are you looking for another option? 704-570-1110. Coming up, the newcomers. They're here. And you'll never believe, by the way, who's moving into New Jersey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You can do whatever you want with me. Uh-huh. What's cracking, girl? What's boo? The following takes place between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Tuesday, Tuesday is gone. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show, hour number four, where we get uh, a little more loosey-goosey uh, than, than some of the other programs. Uh, it is good to have you here. Anything is a fair game if you want to call 704-570-1110. I want you to go on the trip with me, by the way. Go on the trip with me down the Danube. Go to tourwithbrett.com, tourwithbrett.com. You can reach out to the great people at Cruise and Tour, and it's this trip is going to be absolutely off the charts awesome. It's going to be amazing. We're doing it with, uh, with, with, with great people from KOA, Mandy Connell. And, um, and, and, and Jen, who we had on the program last night, talking about uh, her experience with, uh, with Folds of Honor. So it's going to be a really great time. I do not typically go out and eat in the middle of the night. I do not go out and eat in the middle of the night at, uh, at, at a variety of locations. Because... I feel like once you hit midnight, just wait till breakfast when the sun comes up. You don't need to go gallivant around looking for food because either you will find trouble or trouble will find you. That is that is. And I have lived by that for the most part of my life. Additionally, I also do not eat breakfast for dinner ever, period. And, you know, I don't judge you. I don't judge you. You do what you want. You do you. But I really don't go out and eat breakfast at like 4.35 in the morning or 3.37 in the morning or 2.18 in the morning. OK, like that's I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling like anything could happen. And I've been proven right. A violent food fight broke out at a Waffle House in Ohio. After employees asked a group of unruly customers to quiet down or leave, the customers responded by throwing a barrage of drinks, napkin holders, sugar containers at the employees who were forced to duck behind the counter for cover. One patron was seen launching a wet floor sign over the barrier, 
as staff tried to defend themselves, hurling a few items back out at the attackers. The Franklin police have issued arrest warrants for three of the people involved, but two of the individuals still haven't been identified. Law enforcement has released the footage in the hopes that the public might track them down with the other two suspects. The fight, which happened last month, so February, occurred in the early hours of the morning at 3 a.m. at the Waffle House in Warren County, Ohio. The the boisterous group were sitting on either side of the register, dancing and recording videos on their phones. When the Waffle House staff asked them to lower their volume, the fight broke out. After the fight ended, the Franklin police, who had a car posted at the pilot station next door, walked over and tried to straighten things out. Okay, at this point, hold on. We're not straightening anything out at this stage of the game. Okay, this is not happening. In the police body cam footage, the suspects can be seen piling into their car while the police try to approach them. What did the cops say? Hey, stop, police, as they drove away. So many intersections here. So many intersections of of why it is that Brett Witterbull's not not doing this. I'm just not doing this. Three o'clock in the morning, check minus. Check minus. Dancing, videoing, fooling around, making videos. Three o'clock in the morning, check no, check no, check no. Not happening. As they yelled at the cops with a lot of expletives that I can't even read on the radio, um, they, 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 they screamed uh, about their mothers and their mother's uh, uh, t- things and, uh, yeah, all that other stuff, too, that you would expect in the middle of, uh, of an argument. So they, um, they, 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 they got away. They got away. And so the moral of the story is plan ahead and uh, get yourself some groceries for the night and then go home and cook your own breakfast dinner thing, whatever that is. You don't need to be going in the, in the, in the Waffle House in Ohio. In the wise words of my mother, nothing good happens after 11 p.m. Oh, there is one exception. There is one. There is one exception, and only one exception. After what time? Eleven p.m. Yeah, eleven p.m. Babies being born. Ooh, that is. Because a- I had a couple of night babies. I, we got a, We had a couple of night babies. But that's it. Like some total. That's it. Anything else going on? No. No, thank you. No, thank you. And, and look, you. I'm not. I mean, I'm not blaming the Waffle House. Has had they do their business? You got overnight truckers. You got over the road people. You got things that are happening. You got third shift people. Got to get a meal. Absolutely, 100 percent. Absolutely, totally respect it. Uh, no problem at all. I personally, I just, I'm not eating. I'm just not eating breakfast for dinner at three o'clock in the morning with like drunkard maniacs who are making videos. That is also an important part of the story. Um, after 1 a.m., yeah, uh, you have to blow a certain level. Of blood alcohol content to get into Waffle House. Oh, no! wow. That's it. Well, you know, but you might be. But if you're a passenger. Oh, that's a good point, though, because you don't want to get rowdy in there anyways. So that's a very good point. You know what? Uber Eats. You could call the Uber Eats. I don't know what's going to be over. They're going to get it from probably the Waffle House. 
but and have it brought to your house and then you want to make a lot of you want to make a lot of noise you want to carry on like a like a like a troubled like a troubled uh, person or something then you know just let's keep it down i you know what i'm as i get older i'm starting to think we need more curfews and checkpoints where you show your id to go down this block or that like what are you interested in doing over here why are you coming down that road why not go down that other road why not like why are you going side streets why aren't you going main streets like you want to be on the main boulevards you want to be on the main roads unless you don't want to be seen then you're taking back then you're taking back roads i mean that's you know that's what happens a police officer once told me in a conversation that i had with him it was actually a sheriff's deputy said to me if he follows you behind the car if you like you're driving and there's a deputy behind you 99.9% of the time you're going to turn right. It's just a thing. News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Winterville Show, 704-570-1110. The World Economic Forum, you know who they are. Those are the guys that are Klaus Schwab that uh, want to plan every aspect of your life. They are calling on governments around the world to ban the general public from growing their own food at home. By arguing that they are causing climate change, at what point do we get to invade the World Economic Forum? Like the World Economic Forum has has brought more misery to more people on this planet. I, I I want Donald Trump, if he gets elected, to announce that he is going to war with the World Economic Forum and and that he is going to invade the World Economic Forum and and they are there's going to be a bounty um, if anybody can catch Klaus Schwab uh, actually doing anything productive. Because this guy is a tinkerer. And you guys know from listening to my show, I have very little patience for the tinkerers. The tinkerers are the people who could do any number of other things that help people out. And instead, they just mess things up. They, they, they see you. You're, you're, you're sitting there. You got the thermostat perfectly set in, in the room that you're in. And they come in there and they turn it way up. And it suddenly just gets like crazy hot in there. And you're like, stop tinkering with the temp. Get out. Go sit outside. I don't know what to tell you. The World Economic Forum wants them, wants the governments of the world to ban the general public from growing their own food, saying they're causing climate change. According to the, quote, experts at the World Economic Forum study, researchers apparently discovered that the carbon footprint of, of homegrown food is destroying the planet. This guy needs, this guy needs to go to just, just go eat a, a russet potato. Just go sit in the corner and, and, and snack on a russet potato with the skin on it. As a result, the World Economic Forum and other globalist climate zealots are now demanding that governments intervene and ban individuals from growing their own food. The research indicates that resorting to garden-to-table produce causes a far greater carbon footprint than conventional ag practices. Really? Including the trucks driving around, you weirdo? This research conducted by the World Economic Forum-funded scientists at the University of Michigan, should have done it at Rhode Island, man, because Michigan's actually a farm state, was published in the journal Nature Cities. A study looked at the different types of urban farms to see how much carbon dioxide was produced when growing food. On average, 
a serving of food made from traditional farms creates 0.07 kilograms of CO2, according to the study. However, the WEF-funded researchers claim the impact on the environment is almost five times higher. At 0.34 kilograms per portion for individual city gardens. Achtung! No. No. I'm telling you. Some, please, somebody get the message to Trump. I know you are a person who is uh, a man of peace. You don't want to have conflict. I, I think it's time that we invade the World Economic Forum and replace them with sane people. That's all I'm saying. I mean, that's all I'm saying. If an okra is growing on a farm, it takes far more carbon dioxide than does an okra in your flower bed. And if you feed that okra to a cockroach in a factory, then blend that cockroach into a yummy gallon of cockroach milk, then you can have even less carbon emissions. Yeah, count me out. No good. No good. Stan, welcome to the program. What's going on, Stan? I'm doing good. How about you? Uh, you just don't grow anything in your backyard because the WEF is going to come to talk to you, buddy. Oh, you mean, you mean my... Uh... My prepping plans are just been shot all to hell. Uh, they're they're saying they're saying they're saying that they, they they don't want you growing anything in your backyard that's not approved by the World Economic Forum. You know. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so well, how about well? I, well, I called to talk with you about uh, voting. Yes, sir. Uh, specifically, uh, there's somebody that's been appointed to the board of elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, to serve on the Elections Commission in San Francisco that is a non-citizen. Yes, she's from China. Uh, Yeah, yeah, from China. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she says, but there's something she says that's funny. She goes, there are voices inside my head like, you can't do it, you're not competent. You're not an immigrant, this is not your country. That's not true. She she immigrated to, to to the U.S. in 2019. Right. So... But here's the thing. She's wanting to help educate people on exercising their rights to vote. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have a right to vote for not citizen. Well, she doesn't have a right to vote, but she's going to educate the people on how to vote if she were a citizen, I think. is, is probably Right. I mean, shouldn't she have practiced what she's preaching and become a citizen first? She may not be eligible. Maybe she's a felon. Maybe she's. I know I'm just being a wise guy, but no, you're right. You, you're you're nailing it right there. You've got it 100 percent properly. I mean, you you've nailed it. You're, you're, I mean, how can you serve an elections commission? If because even, the ultimate in diversity, the ultimate in diversity stand is to have illegal aliens or people who have emigrated and are not eligible to vote to be the people that administer the voting, because you know they clearly care more than you and I do about the, the about the enfranchisement of voters. Look, this is this is all this is all virtue signaling, right? They're trying to show that they're a welcoming community. Well, remember, did you hear the first show, the first story I did on the show today? The very first story is in Los Angeles, California, they are allowing DACA recipients, which are people who are in the country illegally, they are giving DACA recipients Los Angeles Police Department jobs and giving them firearms, even though it's illegal for them to have firearms since they're not citizens. And so you can have these people now go out and arrest American citizens who who are 
who are here legally while these people are not here legally. California deserves what's happening. What happens to it? Well, here's here's the thing. I, I talked about this earlier in the I alluded to this earlier in the show. Do you know the only group of people who are moving to California in masters? There's only one group of people who are moving to California in 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 mass to get out there. Do you guess guess where they're from? Uh, China, New Jersey. New Jersey. Wow. Because apparently New Jersey is so bad that there are people who are willing to go to are, are willing to go to California to uh, to, to to pick up uh, to pick up a setup over there. So they're willing to go to California just to escape New Jersey. Exactly right. And how far we've come. How far we've come. You know, when I, I think about the song uh, by, by Led Zeppelin, going to California with an Aiken in my heart. And you know what? You know what? They're going to have an Aiken in their heart when they get those Jersey drivers on those roads. Forget it, man. You're going to be dinged up. How- let me ask you, how long do you think it is before New Jersey just builds a wall like Russia did and starts shooting people that try to escape? Oh, I don't think that'll happen. I I, I, I don't think that'll happen. I'm, of course, I'm being funny. I know you are. Of course, I get it. But I, I, I think, um, I, you know what? You've got bridges and tunnels and, 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 and railroads. Uh, people are too easily able to escape. You know, that's the yeah. problem right there. Great stuff, oh, great. Stan. Have I appreciate great, you. Have a great weekend. Thank Take you, care. Buddy. That's right, Stan. Stan's the man. He brought a lot of stuff. We got plenty of people on the board. I can't wait to talk to you. Uh, they want to weigh in on this whole deal with the World Economic Forum pushing a ban on homegrown food because you guys are causing climate change with your beets and your collard greens. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Let's, um, let's talk to Marianne. Welcome to the program, Marianne. Hey, good evening, Brett. Good evening. I was, the only thing I was wanting to mention was this idea that the World Economic Forum, that they're trying to entertain. You watch and see what I tell you. There will be homegrown gardens popping up all over the world, uh-huh. especially in the United States of America. It'll explode. It, it's going to be a case of civil disobedience yep. because if these left-wing idiots that we are allowing to even mm-hmm. come into our world and tell us what we need to do, that's right. Who we need to vote for, what we need to eat, and how we need to eat it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be simple disobedience, and folks are sick of the crap. Yes. They're tired of it, and it's getting closer and closer and closer, right. and it's going to happen. I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm with you 100%, but you know what? I'm willing to negotiate with them. You know what I'm willing to give them? Let them take the kudzu. They could take the kudzu. But I, but I want, I want to keep all my fruits and vegetables. You know what I'm saying there, Mary? I, I don't. Listen, I've lived in the South my entire life. I'm a Rock Hill native, <laughs> and let me tell you, Jesus can't get rid of cousins. <laughs> You're awesome. 
You're awesome. I'm with you. I'll be I'll, I'll be right over. Uh, I'll bring some uh, corn and some peppers and some squash, and we'll figure we'll figure it all out. Okay, Marianne. I I hear you. You're always welcome. Thank you very much. But you're right on. You are right. Look, people are going to have a fit, and I think we ought to. We ought to. Why don't Why don't we just all start planting? I mean, it's going to be before you know it. We're, we're going to be. You probably could plant it now. I'm guessing. I don't know. You help me, Steve. Welcome to the program. Oh, how you doing, Brett? I'm well, thank you. Well, you know, I, I'm one that's very concerned about the the future of the planet, and I'm just worried about this, and wondering if the weeds that I'm growing in my yard are, are causing climate change and <laughs> and going to lead to our destruction. You know what? That's a very good point because we do, we already got those weeds, and they grow everywhere, and they never go away. I mean, maybe we yeah. can we can use some maybe some more some heavy duty stuff on it. Oh, and by the way. What about all the people growing the wacky weed around the world and around this country? I mean, we got t- you got tons of people growing growing dope. I mean, let's get rid of that well, first. Well, I'm sort of thinking that maybe the solution would be to just uh, pave over everything, and <laughs> you know, then we won't have to worry about green growing things. Oh my gosh, you got that right on. Great call, my friend. I appreciate that. Let's go to Russ. Russ, welcome to the program. Hi, um, I took high school biology, and I thought that plants breathed in carbon dioxide and exhaled oxygen yeah, yes that's that, that's I, I thought it was i thought it was a good thing to plant more plants so that you could mm-hmm. eliminate some of the carbon dioxide well hold on now you got to remember why why are they doing this they are doing this because they want to make fewer people I think they just want a starvation approach so that uh, we'll all we'll all just, uh, you know, head on down the line. You, you are correct. They, they looked at the different types of urban farms to see how much carbon dioxide was produced when growing uh, food on, the, on this study. And they said, yeah. on average, a serving of food from a traditional farm creates 0.07 kilograms of uh, CO2. However, the World Economic uh, Researchers said that the impact on the environment is five times higher at 0.34 per portion for individual city gardens. So what they don't want is everybody planting everything all at once. They want managed food supplies. See, that's that's what they're trying to do. CO2 is obviously an issue, but you know what? They they are they are very afraid that you're going to you're going to grow too much and you'll get too fat and you'll get too healthy. In my opinion, they want to go back to the Middle Ages where we get rid of the middle class entirely and we simply have lords and vassals. You are absolutely right on, Russ. That is exactly what they want to do. That they, the, oh, and the middle class is a problem. That is you it. want to get rid of the you want to get rid of the kudzu? Yes. You turn a couple of pigs loose on it. Oh, now listen. You don't think you don't think we're going to be allowed to have pigs now, do you? I don't think we're going to be allowed to have those pigs. Uh, they're going to make us yeah, give, I know. give those up too. Yeah, I, but but pigs can do some damage to kudzu. Oh. They love that stuff. Oh, all right, that's great. That's great advice, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, Russ. That's a great call. That's awesome. You know, I, I want to. It, it, what's What's interesting about this is, if you just leave nature alone, like if we didn't touch anything in nature, okay, if we didn't touch anything in nature. If we just everything froze in time and we were all like in suspended animation for 20,000 years. OK, all the humans were still alive. We're still breathing. It's still the same temperature. Everything is still happening. Do you think Mother Nature would be able to solve it better 
than, say, AOC? Like, do you think that's possible? I don't know if that's possible. Because AOC and the squad and Bernie Sanders, they're so smart about agriculture. Except for one thing. They all come from the city. Where did AOC learn about agriculture? Where did Bernie Sanders learn about agriculture? Well, Bernie, he's around a lot of hippies smoking a lot of grass. But, I mean... You think about these people that come out and lecture you. Gavin Newsom, what's he know about uh, about horticulture? What, what does he know? What, what do any of these leftists know? And then what did we talk about about an hour, two, uh, two and a half hours ago? I, I talked about the fact that you white rural farmer people are the problem, according to this new book in MSNBC. Now, wait, do you trust AOC to manage your garden? Or do you trust a farmer to manage your garden? Do, do, you, do you trust Bernie Sanders to manage his bush? Or do you want, do you want to see a, 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 a rural, undesirable farmer manage his bush? I, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, you got uh, to tell the World Economic Forum about this. They probably know it already. This is a real story. I feel like I have people listening tonight, and you might think, like, these are not true. No, these are re- every story I'm giving you, these are real stories, okay? These are real stories. This is the New York Post. Startup sparks fury for shipping 100,000-year-old Arctic ice to chill cocktails in Dubai. Greenland startup is accused of doing titanic damage to the environment by shipping ice from glaciers that are more than 100,000 years old to be used in cocktails served at high-priced bars in Dubai. i got to find out if Brett Jensen went to that bar. Because he was in, he was in Dubai, Arctic ice, which started this year, touts its product as the oldest and purest ice in the world, as it is harvested from icebergs in Greenland, a distance of more than four thousand seven hundred and thirty miles away from the Middle East megalopolis. Though the makers say they hope to highlight global warming's effects on sheets of ice with their next business model and not even stop sea levels from rising, the scheme is getting a frosty reception. Quote, guys, this is nuts. One person wrote in the comment section on Arctic Ice Instagram page in response to a promotional video. The planet is freaking burning. Is it burning? I mean, I don't know if it's burning, but okay. The company's website, Hammers Home, see what they did? Hammers Home. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, 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 I know. I get it. I get what you did. You're doing a little homage to Zeppelin again. That's what you're doing. You're doing, you're doing the... Uh, you're doing the immigrant song. I know. I know what you're doing. Throw the makers say they hope to highlight global warming's effects on the sheets with their business model. Um, their their company's website hammers home the point that the ice is dis- destined to chill drinks in glitzy watering holes. 
halfway around the world that it is taken from icebergs already naturally detached from the glacier and floating in the Greenland Nook Fjord. Hi, yeah, hi. I, um, I'm not going to be in on Monday. I, I, I just uh, tore my Nook Fjord. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to have to stay out for a couple of days. I'm icing it with, uh, with virgin, uh, yeah, with, with, with virgin uh, ice ice, baby. We do not take any ice from the glacier. They said we don't take any ice from the glacier. Millions or billions of tons of ice breaks off the glaciers every year. Our very limited production thereby has very insignificant impact. Well, then why are you shipping it to Dubai? You can just ship it to Rock Hill. The people of Rock Hill would love to have some of this, uh, this, this beautiful ice that you're sending. And obviously, you know the people that go to Dubai or Djibouti or wherever they're going. You, you, you know, they're, they're, they're going to want the, the real stuff. They're not going to take this, like, fake, busted off, fell-on-the-floor dollar store ice come on by the way why would you even acknowledge that in public you could completely scam dubai with all this stuff and just don't cop to it just be like this is out we went in we went into a core sample and got this this is from this is from anakin skywalker's period i don't even know who that is but you know it's just like look what i got we we got that this is Abner Doubleday stood on this uh, on, on this particular ice sheet, and now you can get three sheets to the wind drinking his ice sheet. I mean, I, I, I just I'm looking at this and I'm going, what, what, what? More so, Arctic Ice argues that by using icebergs that would otherwise melt into the ocean, it is preventing the ice from contributing to rising sea levels. You, you, you understand? You understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? That that all the water that exists in the world has always, always existed in the world. You cannot destroy matter. What are water molecules? They, they just form in different ways. Fog, rain, ice. Then, then you go into one of those saunas. You should be going home. But you're going into one of those saunas and you're pouring the ice. You're pouring the ice water on the rocks. And you get you got your you got your towel on your head, and you're all like, I got to moisturize now, and all this kind of stuff. There, 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 there is no more. Okay, there's ice, and there's water. There is no more. Like we're not creating water to flood the world. I, I, I know you guys are so busy when you go to school with your pronouns and your trans nouns and all these things that you're doing, but you don't understand that you are you cannot make more water. I mean, you can, but it's already in existence in one way or another. C- come on. What, what, are you, what do you think? You think you're the U.S. government? Because the U.S. government is the only institution in the entire universe that can create money. Like, nobody can create money like Biden's government can create money. The Federal Reserve, what we need the Federal Reserve to do is to tighten the supply of water. Because they can loosen the supply of money, they can tighten the supply of water. But that's never going to happen. So let me digress. A selected chunk of iceberg is carefully inspected before being hoisted with a crane onto a company ship. 
where it is splintered into smaller pieces with sanitized chainsaws and hammers and packed into insulated food-grade crates for transport. Well, you, you know that's styrofoam. You know that those are styrofoam crates that they're, they are. Are you kidding me? You're making it worse. Samples are then taken from each iceberg and sent to a third-party lab to be tested for the presence of any harmful ancient microorganisms or bacteria. That's really great. That's really great. So here comes the next. Here comes the next pandemic. We're going to because the fancy ice has got to come to us. And now we're going to have like pangolin ice. And we're going to have like, what was the other thing that the roadrunner ice or whatever it's got? Armadillo ice. Quit. Just spend uh, $1,000 on a cup's worth of ice just to get the black plague. Can you, right? I mean, there, there you go. I mean, what are, what are we doing? At some point, at some point, and I, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble. You're going to run into Han Solo. They froze him. They're going to find him. What are we going to do then? That's intergalactic planetary stuff. All right. Thanks so much to Isaac and TJ, Anna and Pam, and each and every one of you. I'm going ice-free this weekend in solidarity with the glaciers. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT.